This is Emery Melhoff, your host for Straight Talk with NDFB. In this special Christmas season, I am interviewing individuals from NDFB's Farmhouse Treasures for You. It includes NDFB members who are suppliers of fresh, processed, or value-added agricultural products. In this episode, Brandon Lindstrom joins me to talk about box elder tree syrup, which he and his family discovered on their farm. Brandon tells me all about the tapping the box elder tree process, collecting the syrup, and how the syrup is then boiled down to be bottled. Join me for today's episode. Welcome to Straight Talk with NDFB. Emery Melhoff here with Brandon Lindstrom. How are you today, Brandon? Good. This is my first podcast. So. Well, welcome. Hey, that's good. Um, all right. Well, Brandon, tell us about yourself and your farm, and and uh, then we'll get into the um, syrup part of it all. Okay. Well, um, I am a fourth-generation farmer. Um, I farm with my brother by on the east side of North Dakota by Aminia. Uh, I personally live in West Fargo, but that's where we are in the state. Uh, we farm corn and soybeans right now. Did have a little bit of wheat last year uh, and used to do sugar beets. Our last sugar beet crop was in 2019 or 2019, 1999. So <laughs> I'm off a little bit, but I uh, had a really crazy start this year with all the rain we had this spring, but uh, ended up being one of our better years uh, crop wise. So yeah, so I try not to get negative when we're farming. Uh, maybe that's just because I haven't done it long enough, but uh, try and stay <laughs> positive even when it's scary spring. So, One of the things I discovered at the NDFB annual convention that we had recently was that you and your family are syrup collectors. Yeah, my brother, I guess, gets way too much free time driving grain cart when we're doing soybeans, just sitting around playing on his phone. <laughs> found out that uh, I we've yet to find someone else that does this, but he found out that box elder trees actually make really good syrup because they're in the maple family. And uh, we have a lot of those in the farmyard. Um, that's the only ones we tap. We tapped about 200 trees right in the yard for making syrup. So let's start with the actual box elder tree. So Obviously, I know about the bug. I'm actually looking at a pile of them because I haven't vacuumed the office recently. And so <laughs> and so I know all about the box elder bug, but I actually didn't know that there was a box elder tree. Honestly, I don't know what this if the bug overwinters in the tree or how they got associated with the, with each other. They're really a snarly, tangly tree that likes to break down and just make a mess in the yard and hit you in the face when you're mowing because <laughs> why have your branches up by the sun when you could hit me when I'm trying to mow? <laughs> um, and historically speaking, they made a lot of sense in North Dakota because they're a very fast growing tree, just like cottonwoods. So when it's 50 below outside and windy and you live in a sod hut, you want trees as fast as possible. So that's why all all the tree belts around North Dakota kind of, or at least on the eastern side of the state, kind of include box elders because they grew so fast. Hmm. So what's even more fascinating than this tree is the syrup that you guys tap. So obviously, you know, growing up, Red Lots, Little House in the Prairie with the stories of Pa tapping the the maple trees way out in Wisconsin and, and having all these little buckets and collecting syrup. Mm -hmm. Um but what's the process of, of collecting and, and tapping these box elder trees? 
Well, in North Dakota, um, especially Eastern North Dakota, it's not quite like it would be in Wisconsin in that book because we're flat. Um, <laughs> most places like Minnesota, um, Vermont, where they do a lot of maple syrup, they have topography and hills, so they they can have all these long hoses going down to one main, like they call it a sugar shack, where they do the evaporating. So all those lines dump into just a big tub and they can just grab it right there versus we're completely flat and can't do that. So we tap the individual trees and just, um, we usually do that in early March before it starts getting warm and, you know, stick the buckets in the snow, dig down because as the snow melts, if you've got a bucket sitting there with a hose going into it, you know, the, the bucket's eventually going to fall down to the ground as the snow melts. So you got to dig down to make a hole so that the bucket's actually sitting on the ground and then, uh, trudge through four, six feet of snow. It was pretty bad this last year <laughs> to do each of the trees. Like I said, 200 trees with one, if you're lucky, there's a couple of trees close together and you can run a couple lines to one bucket. Um, but that's not always the case. So each, each, you know, each tree essentially has its own bucket. And then once a day and sometimes twice a day, um, go out and collect the, the sap and sap. Okay. The way sap works is it doesn't, it doesn't run unless you're above freezing. Hmm. Uh, and it, it, it needs to cool down below freezing at night. So that's when you get the best flow is when you're above freezing during the day and then cooling off at night. Cause it goes, it actually goes up and down the tree. And so, we kind of call it quits when uh, the trees, right when the trees start budding, because then the flavor kind of changes uh, in the sap. So how long does it take to fill one of those little buckets then? You wait 24 hours on a good tree, it could be over a five-gallon bucket. We have five-gallon buckets, not those little yeah. tin buckets you probably have seen on TV or something for other syruping operations. These are food grade buckets with lids and then just a little hole for that's big enough for the for the hose to go inside. So in 24 hours you fill a 5 gallon bucket. Yeah, on a good tree, yes. I that completely changes my perspective cuz you're right. I was imagining these little tin buckets hanging <laughs> from a little knob off the tree and just like drip 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 and I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah. that's kind that sounds good, like kind of fun, but no, this is this is like major syrup collecting here." Okay, so once you collect the sap do you just bottle it or do you have to do like a refining process on it? We have a refining process. First off, to collect all of that, we we have a, a, a Polaris Ranger that we have a big collection tank in the back. Um, uh, that, I think that's one 300 gallon, 100 or 300 gallons. I can't remember. And just stick that in the back. And then we made a little step in the back. So we dump each five gallon bucket in that collection bucket and then drive because this is the sloppiest, slimiest time of year to be walking around in the mud and, and trying to get there. So we put the tracks on that ranger and drive around to all the buckets and collect them all. And then we have a bigger tank um, back by the shop that we keep cool uh, for storage because then we suck out of that um, to put in the evaporator. And the vat. It's kind of hard to describe what the evaporator looks like, but essentially it's a it's a tray with fins on it, um, and that's open to the air, and that's where the, the sap goes in. 
And underneath that is a firebox with a fan on it to kind of act as a bellows to boil the sap until it tests um, with a hydrometer uh, that it's getting close to the um, viscosity, of, I guess, of you know what you think of as syrup. And then we, after that, we finish it in a in smaller batches in like a like a turkey fryer. Okay, so is there any like? Uh... Oh, byproduct created or does it all boil down pretty good? Just steam. Okay. Um, we do a double to get it really nice and clear. We do a double, uh, double cooling process. You can spend an astronomical amount of money on a, a filtration system for that. But basically, um, since hot liquids hold more in solution than cold liquids, once we get it to syrup consistency, we let it cool down. So all the sediment, uh, it's mainly calcium. So if you ever see it in a bottle, don't worry about it. It's not bad for you. We let that settle out and then pour it off carefully so the sediment stays behind. Hmm. And then reheat it again for the bottling process. How many bottles would you make in a year? Oh, uh, this Okay, so maple syrup or maple sap takes about 50 to 60 gallons, depending on the year, to make one gallon of syrup. So 50 to 60 gallons of sap? To no, make- that's maple trees. Our box yeah. elder trees, it's closer to 100. So for every 100 gallons, uh, we reduce it down to about one gallon of syrup. This last year, we had about 22 and a half gallons of syrup. Yeah, so 2,250 gallons of sap we collected, roughly. Okay, so let's talk about flavor now. So obviously, like, you know, I assume it doesn't taste like box elder bugs. Like, those have a really, I, I guess I haven't eaten one before, but just the smell of them is they kind of that. smell, that's for sure. Yeah, that dusty smell, but the box elder syrup doesn't. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Every year is a little different flavor-wise. Just, you know, how much rain the plant got or the tree got different environmental factors um towards the end when it gets close to budding you definitely notice the syrup gets a little darker i'd have to ask my brother on this but the grading um for different syrups i think that amber is what you're looking for more for your premium syrups but i i mean it's anywhere from maple syrup flavored to almost box or uh almost uh, butterscotch tasting. How do you retail these? Do you have a store or do you just word of mouth or? Just word of mouth. This is strictly under the North Dakota cottage food laws. So me and my brother direct sales to whoever's interested. So So we did a podcast skit during our annual meeting and and (laughs) talked about your farm and your the saps in your family and, and your syrup making <laughs> process. And I had three people afterwards approach me about how they could find the syrup. And so they just they just call you, get in contact with you or your brother, and, and that's how they get it. Yep. I do have one caveat, though. It, if you don't like real maple syrup and you only eat Mrs. Butterworth, you know, it, you got to be used to the real stuff if you're going to like this stuff. So don't go right from Mrs. Butterworth to this expecting it to be exactly like that. I mean, if you like the real stuff, you'll definitely like this. Well, and I'll say that the Mrs. Butterworth is just produced by our corn friends anyway, and that the uh, real maple syrup is the way to go. So I make both, so I make money either way. There you go. <laughs> okay, so how many years have you guys been making syrup and doing this? I think this is our fourth year. Uh, wow. we, took, we took one year off uh, when my dad had cancer just to be with him longer. So mm, yeah. we, uh, 
we didn't make syrup that year, but we, I mean, we sell it a lot slower than we can make it. So like I said, it's just word of mouth. It's not like we're supplying grocery stores or anything. So it, it takes time to get rid of all of it, but it's pretty popular amongst people that have. Yeah. Well, I'll just take this moment right now to buy, you know, like 20 of them from you. So I don't know how much they are, but I, I think I got my Christmas, my Christmas. I've got a box of 14 in my pickup right now. Well, hey, did, did you have that when you were in Bismarck? Because we should have made a back. I had one bottle, but that's what I'm keeping for my, like I said, that, that, uh, that sediment that settles out. Um, yeah. That was a, that was one, one from one of the first years we did it and there's a little bit more sediment. So I'm going to keep that for myself. I didn't know I was going to be talking about syrup. Yeah. In Bismarck, so I would have brought a lot more. Yeah. Somebody asked me, they were like, Hey, is there a table? Can we buy it here? I was like, Oh man, we should have, we should have talked about that. I could have <laughs> sold out. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. So, okay. If there are people who are interested in tapping trees for syrup, I, I, I suppose they need some box elder trees. If there is any interest out there in, in tapping trees, what do you, you know, how did you guys find out about it and, and get started? Well, my brother with too much time on his hands in the grain cart, that's for sure. <laughs> Figuring out he could do with trees that we have, because we only have one maple tree in the farmyard. But if, if it's something you're interested in doing just yourself, like you don't need an evaporator. If you tapped one tree and collected 10 gallons, I mean, you could reduce that down to maybe a maybe one bottle size, maybe a little bit less. But really, all you need is a big pot and a stove and basically a hydrometer to tell you when it's exactly that right consistency because what you'd expect to come out of a bottle it's going to be when it's hot it it seems watery the only real way to tell the the sugar concentration is with the hydrometer but yeah just a hydrometer a big pot and a couple of trees you could do it yourself how much is a hydrometer and how do you find one Uh, amazon yeah they're right on there i think that's where he got it but yeah, and then really a tap is essentially, uh, oh, I describe it as uh, a plastic cone like you'd fill water balloons with. Hmm. And then you just drill a hole the right size and just tap it into the tree and then attach a, a hose to it. So, Did uh, your brother do any research? Can Is there any other, other than maple trees, is there any other syrup trees? Because I'm just looking at a big pile of cottonwoods right now, and I assume that probably wouldn't be very good. So All, all trees... <laughs> produce sap obviously but not like if you were to tap a pine tree it would be very resinous and just a bad flavor and some trees the sugar concentration is so low that it like with our box elder trees 100 gallons is worse than a sugar maple uh you know 100 gallons to make one gallon of syrup but there's trees that are way worse than that for efficiency wise because just the because of the sugar content deal is that yeah, if you need 400 gallons of sap to make, you know, one gallon of syrup, it's a massive time investment. It's already bad enough the way it is. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> because you're just, you're kind of boiling it down and then you just are left with a lot of sediment. Is that kind of what would happen? Yeah, or just to get to sugar concentration that's good enough to taste even. Yeah. You have to have so many gallons of sap. And to go along with that, removing the water, we do that two ways. One, it's on the vap- evaporator with the fire underneath. And then two, we have a reverse osmosis machine that will separate. Basically, water comes out one hose and then the other one goes back in to recirculate. So we did that to just cut down on the fire time. And my brother 
has made a massive wood pile just over the course of the summers, just chopping wood and broken down trees to make. Because if you were to uh, evaporate with propane, I mean, it would just be cost prohibitive. Like mm-hmm. there are very few commercial syrup makers that even use propane. Uh, so we just have a massive wood pile, and you have to feed that firebox probably every 10 minutes at least. So lots of time invested in that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like liquid gold anyway, so it sounds really good. So yep. <laughs> great. Well, thanks so much, Brandon. Uh, check out Brandon Lindstrom's farm. I'll put his contact information in the show notes. And uh, is that who you want us to contact, or do you want people to harass your brother? I do all the sales. He just comes up with the ideas that I have to tag along. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, uh, like I said, if you're interested in syrup for this Christmas or for any time, look at the show notes, contact Brandon Lindstrom. I'll put his email in there and shoot him an email and and pick up some syrup for for your family. So we always try to advertise in the advertise in the farmhouse treasures um, publication each year, too. Yeah. If you miss the podcast, it'll be our contact information will be in there. Well, thanks again, Brandon. Thanks for joining me today. And I hope you have a good rest of your season and a good rest until March when you're going to be trudging around in the mud collecting lots of good sap. Sounds good. You've been listening to Straight Talk with NDFB. If you would like to be included in NDFB's Farmhouse Treasures for You, contact us at ndfb.org.